0: This Washington Post Live podcast is presented by AT&T Business, keeping your business connected today and building it for tomorrow with 5G on America's best network. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. A veteran Capitol Hill staffer, she has navigated the halls of Congress and is now working to keep President Trump in the White House. Aaron Perini, the Trump campaign director of press communication, joined the Washington Post to preview the message that Trump will deliver at the Republican National Convention and to voters this fall. Let's listen.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Frances Steed Sellers, a senior writer with the Washington Post. It's day two of the Republican National Convention. And with me here today is a woman who says she's been on the road a lot working for the Trump campaign. She's the campaign's director for press communications. A very warm welcome to you, Aaron Perini. Thank you for having me, Francis. Delighted to have you. So let's start with a little about last night. Just briefly, tell me what were a couple of high points in terms of attracting new voters from your point of view?
0: There were so many great things about last night, but I really think a lot of what we saw last night that was a stark contrast to the Democrats' doom and gloom was really the hopefulness of a direct message from so many Americans. You saw Mr. Uh, Alvarez out there talking about how he was a Cuban immigrant to the United States and how he's seeing, you know, the underpinnings of socialism popping up in the United States and how scary that is for him. His emotion—you um, really saw Jim Jordan talk about the heart of President Trump when he was getting choked up talking about the loss of his nephew and the president reaching out to not only him but to his family to have that really heartfelt conversation. You heard from Natalie Harp, who thanks to President's Right to Try legislation being signed into law had stage two bone cancer, hadn't responded to radiation, and uh, was able to try breakthrough medications, breakthrough treatments, and it saved her life, and she credits President Trump with that. It was really a story highlighting of the great work that the president's been able to do in his administration. You saw the president sit down, with hostages that he brought home from overseas. Really, the American story about the leadership of President Trump, there were a lot of really good highlights, but those, those are a few of the ones I'd point out off the bat.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So the, the president has just released his agenda uh, for a second term. And uh, I, I want to read to you what he stated that he, about his boundless optimism reflected in his second term goals that stand in stark contrast to the gloomy America rejected by Joe Biden and the Democrats. What did he mean by that, that contrast he's drawing?
0: Well, it's clear that the contrast is an America first vision for this country. Democrats last week really wanted you to feel bad about being an American. They talked about, you know, during the day how they really did want to defund the police and I'm really talking about what they wanted you to believe is a country in tatters. But President Trump was talking about a bold America first vision for the future 10 million jobs in 10 months more opportunity, allowing parents to choose the school their children goes to so that children's educational opportunities aren't solely based on a zip code. You see all of these bold, aspirational America first policies, stronger trade deals, all of these great things the president can do to boost the economy, to help all Americans. And Democrats really pointed out last week how they see our country right now. And what we're pointing, what the president's pointing to, is a strong America first agenda. That And that's really the stark contrast. Don Jr. touched on it last night, right? Is it, is it chaos in the streets and violence and rioting and looting and socialism versus an American first agenda with President Trump? And that's the contrast that you're seeing in this outlines of an agenda for
1: four more years for President Trump. And he's calling it fighting for you. Is that a deliberate echo of fighting for us from Hillary Clinton four years ago?
0: No, President Trump has always been fighting for every American. He has had an America first, an American first strategy since day one. Make America Great Again is about giving Americans opportunities. When it was Keep America Great, it's the same idea. This is a president who, before he became president of the United States, lived a very beautiful, comfortable lifestyle. But he put all of that aside to serve this nation and her people, to step up, to step in and say, I understand what it's like to create jobs. I know what it's like to sign the front of paychecks. I know what this looks like. And I know how to negotiate. I know how to negotiate trade deals. I know how to bring our people home. We saw that a little bit yesterday. But you see all of this. And it's it's a bold America first strategy. We're not going to be beholden to other countries, whether it's for our energy independence, whether it's for our pharmaceuticals. This is a president who wants it made in America by Americans every single day. And that's really what you're hearing in that fighting for you message, because he's fighting for every American, those unborn and all the way to the senior citizens in this country. Every
1: American deserves an opportunity, and President Trump wants to fight for that. So these goals, which range from jobs to uh, taking on China and things like that, sound great, of course. Help me through talk through a little bit how they would work. Creating ten million jobs, where do they come from? how do you how do you go about going from this aspirational goal to actually the actual reality of more jobs? Well, we've seen President Trump bring nine point three
0: million jobs back online in three months here in the United States. And that's because of a concrete economic foundation. So when we look at a second term, it's about getting government out of the way. It's about getting bureaucracy out of the way. It's about lowering taxes for the American people. It's about allowing businesses to exceed without government getting in the way. Joe Biden's agenda says day one, he will raise taxes on 82% of Americans by eliminating the Trump tax cuts. And it includes increasing our corporate tax rate to that that would be higher than communist China. You look at the stark contrast that exists. More government doesn't create jobs. We've seen what an economic renaissance and boom looks like with President Trump. We know what that looks like and what it took to get there. The person who can bring back the booming Trump economy is President Trump. We saw what an economic recovery looked like under Joe Biden. We don't have to guess. We know that it was stagnant wages. It was people not being able to find jobs, people staying out of the workforce. We saw what it looked like, we don't have to guess. We know President Trump knows how to create jobs, how to get government out of the way. And that's what we're looking at when we look
1: at four more years. And does it require eradicating COVID, which is another one of those goals? How will he propose to go about that, balancing speed and efficacy and safety? President Trump has done an exceptional job balancing
0: speed and efficacy and safety. You've seen it with Operation Warp Speed with the announcement this week on the emergency use authorization for convalescent plasma, lowering those morbidity rates that we've seen. It's a great treatment. And why did that happen? Because President Trump, again, marrying safety and efficacy with speed, was able to get government out of the way and allow the market to work to bring solutions forward. The United States has an incredible amount of ability to treat coronavirus more than any other nation. And that's because President Trump is allowing that to happen. He is doing things like we are already in phase three for multiple potential therapeutic uh, vaccines here in the United States. The president's already got over 600 million of those on order ready to go when we get to a final stage for an approved vaccine. We've seen what this looks like. We know that this is a president who wants to be able to deliver for the American people and he wants to be able to do so safely. He's marrying the two beautifully. And again, we don't have to guess what a pandemic would look like under Joe Biden. We've seen it, we saw what happened under H1N1, a complete depletion of the national stockpile. President Trump has rebuilt that. We also saw him stopping testing and stop reporting new cases because, as his own people even admit, they knew it was a pandemic. So why put the effort behind it and why put the resources there? President Trump is delivering for the American people on this. And we know with him at the helm, we're going to get there faster than we've ever been able to before.
1: So use the word exceptional noun. You've used it before about his um, coronavirus approach but I'm, I'm a little puzzled. He has belittled and sidelined a number of public health experts on this. Where does this exceptional uh, approach come from? What do you actually mean by it? How does he evaluate how to move forward? Is it market first all the time?
0: No, President Trump is taking a lot of different uh, opinions into account, but that's what leadership looks like. He talks to top medical experts. He's talking to Dr. Birx and Dr. Fauci. You're hearing from all sorts of different medical experts, the Surgeon General, but you're also, he's having conversations with the pharmaceutical companies, with the insurance companies. Okay. We're having,
1: we are, we are trying to reconnect. We have a, a short hitch here in the Skype coverage, but we'll be back with you soon. Welcome back and apologies for that brief uh, interlude with some difficult uh, technical difficulties. Aaron, hope you can hear me there. Glad to see you again. Um so my next question is about Thursday night when President Trump will accept the nomination. What are this it's been a tough four years this last year has been a difficult one with the coronavirus and this enormous job loss. Um what will he highlight as his successes over these past four years in the speech on Thursday night?
0: Well, I certainly never want to get ahead of the president on anything and uh, You know, I'm really sorry about the technical difficulties on this, the fun of being in the internet instead of in person on these kind of events. But listen, President Trump's going to talk about the success of the first three and a half years of this administration. It means the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It's talking about the incredible deregulatory agenda that President Trump got out of the way. It's talking about things like his investment in historically backed colleges and universities, opportunity zones in this country, which have helped poor investments into lower income communities in the United States. Before coronavirus, we saw record low unemployment for women, for veterans, Asian Americans, Black Americans, you name it, there's a great story to be told here about what President Trump has been able to deliver. And let's remember, he's been able to deliver these things, including historic criminal justice reform. Uh, renegotiating, getting rid of NAFTA, bringing forward USMCA, a strong 21st century trade deal with our top two trading partners. He's been able to do all of this with really a very combative House of Representatives and Congress at his feet. They haven't been necessarily the strongest partners for him. And instead, you've seen him still be able to lead through all of the media noise, through all of the Democrats' obstruction. I mean, we're looking at about 95, 96 percent negative coverage of this president, and he has done an exceptional job delivering through all of that noise and really being able to deliver with the American people. And it's been pro-America. It's been America first. He said that as a candidate, and it is going to be absolutely exceptional all along. And you will see as he stands up and points toward what four more years would look like and really what's at stake in this election. You know, I've been on the road, I've been crisscrossing the country for this campaign for this president. And we really say it, we thought 16 was really a a serious election, there was a lot at stake. But now with the radical left, who are dictating to Joe Biden really what his policy should be and how he should handle things, there's so much more at stake right now. It includes eliminating all of that economic growth that President Trump was able to deliver putting our corporate tax rate higher than communist China, making us beholden to other nations by eliminating our energy independence. And we're talking now
1: about the nation. About one of the, one of the issues that has been a constant um, Republican theme, Ob- Obamacare. There's no mention of that in the goals. Um, how does President Trump propose to make uh, insurance more affordable for people? A very key issue now that so many are suffering with the coronavirus. President Trump has delivered short term,
0: limited duration options for the American people. But again, he doesn't believe that the federal government needs to dictate to you what kind of health insurance you need to carry and that it's your option. So he is again, he, is, he wants to have those conversations with Congress, but you've seen Nancy Pelosi and her negotiating tactics. It's all or nothing for her. It's about political points for the Democrats on Capitol Hill, while the president stands up and delivers for the American people. You've seen him fight to lower prescription drug prices in this country, and he's making that an even bigger goal. You've seen the work he's been doing on prescription drug prices recently, making sure that they are more affordable here in the United States for every American. I mean, when it comes to healthcare, this president has has been very clear he will protect people with pre-existing conditions democrats want a fearmonger president trump wants to step up and do the tough work so you will see him absolutely in four more years tackle that head on
1: there was plenty of fearmongering last night no
0: Which part of last night do you think was the fear mongering? The part where a Cuban uh, immigrant came to the United States to get his chance at being an entrepreneur in the American dream? Was it Natalie Harp when she said that she got a chance to live, thanks to President Trump and right to try legislation? Was it the small business in Montana that got a PPP loan and was able to keep people on their payroll? I don't know which part of that seemed the darkest, but to me, it seemed like an America first story because of President Trump's leadership. Really, the media and the Democrats are saying that was a dark evening for America. I've never been prouder to be an American than I was last night watching that hopeful,
1: aspirational message. You felt there was an aspirational message that came out and the, uh, the, the Loch Ness Biden and other things were not fear there.
0: Joe Biden is a swamp creature, that's a fact. 47 years as a D.C. establishment figure, absolutely. And we're fair to point that out and still deliver an aspirational message. The two don't need to be mutually exclusive. You can absolutely talk about the hope and the greatness of America. You heard it from Tim Scott himself, an exceptional senator from South Carolina, about how his family went from cotton to Congress. You heard that aspirational message about what America can Offer what America can deliver, the freedom and opportunity that exists here. And you can still call out the radical left, the chaos in the streets in these Democrat run cities. And what that means, not once during the Democrat convention did you hear them say, it's enough is enough. You need to stop with the violence and the chaos in our streets. We stand proudly with the men and women of law enforcement on this campaign. We stand proudly with those who serve exceptionally in their communities. It's an aspirational message, and you can still call out the rest of the nonsense that's
1: going on with the Democrats at the same time. So a group that you're clearly competing over is um, suburban women. How do you plan to bring suburban women into the Trump camp in the ongoing months? Well, there are a couple of things I would point out here. One, we don't necessarily look at voters
0: by gender and by things like that. We look at their ability. Uh, What's their turnout likelihood? What's their persuasion likelihood? Because a vote in the city of Philadelphia is, one vote there is just as much as one vote in the suburbs and one vote away. People care about safety. It doesn't matter if you live in an urban, suburban, or a rural community, and that's a message that resonates with everybody. But here on this campaign, we do empower women across the board. You see myself sitting here in this chair, and that's because I work for a president who has women in leadership roles across both in the administration and here. And so we'll have conversations with women we have our exceptional women for trump coalition that is empowering women to talk about the safety and security that president trump has been able to deliver about operation Legend, standing up federal resources about allowing parents to choose where their kids can go to school doubling the child tax credit making it easier for parents to save for their children's education and college whatever it is we're going to have a conversation and You know, if you're in the city, if you're in the suburbs, if you're in the country, there's a message for President Trump for everybody. Gender isn't necessarily the defining
1: factor on that. And Melania Trump will be speaking tonight, of course. What uh, bigger picture can she bring to the Trump that you you are telling us about now? She can really
0: speak to the heart of this president. Nobody knows President Trump better than the First Lady herself. Uh, They are raising a son together at this point in the White House. She has her great Be Best program, that campaign, to really help children. Uh, You see what she's been able to do as a First Lady and how she is uh, understanding this president better than anybody. So she'll really be able to touch on all of that on the work that's being done and how this administration would deliver for four more years. But she's going to be able to do it because she's part of this family. She's part of the Trump family. And so she's going to be able to talk about President Trump in a way that a lot of people can't. And while the media wants to try and paint him one way, his family understands him better than anybody. And that's some of the strongest people for us when it comes to uh, getting that
1: message out there. So you're the granddaughter, I think, of a police chief. Your parents are attorneys. Um, You know about the criminal justice system, and I think you said, and I'm going to read this on Fox News in August, this is a president who's willing to take justice in the United States and make it blind the way it's supposed to be. What did you mean by that? And how is President President Trump going to make uh, justice blind for all Americans?
0: Well, I like calling him president justice. I, I think I'm, I might take that going forward here. Oh, and it's, wow. exceptional that, it's exceptional that you know so much about my background. Yes, I I am the child of two attorneys. One of my sisters is an attorney and the fourth generation in our family. But justice truly should be blind in the United States. And President Trump has stepped up in order to be able to, to make this a more just nation. You've seen that with criminal justice reform, that this president was able to sign into law something that hadn't been able to be done before him. And other presidents had talked about it. Those who are first-time nonviolent offenders getting an opportunity to go back and pursue the American dream in their communities, that's because of President Trump. He's talked about wanting to do more with that, about you know the Second Step Act, or however they want to call it, about allowing this justice system in the United States to make sure, because you see the scales of justice, you see Lady Justice, her eyes are covered. That's what I was talking about, is that we want a blind justice system. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from in this country. It's about the criminal justice system being fair and balanced. And this is a president who has actually really fought to do that in a way that nobody has before.
1: And how is he planning to reach out to minorities to achieve the kinds of depth of voting he needs to bring in from those groups? Well, I would point to a couple of things.
0: One, our largest coalition here on the campaign is our Black Voices for Trump coalition. And why is that? Because this is a president who has really delivered for black Americans. And while Democrats think, like Joe Biden has said, that, quote, you ain't black, if you're considering voting for anybody else, President Trump is unafraid to share his message directly into communities across the United States. We have our Black Voices for Trump Community Centers, which are in communities across the United States, brick and mortar buildings where we can have a conversation about the funding the president has done for historically black colleges and universities. How last month the president was able to work and get the black unemployment rate to drop almost a full percentage point as jobs have come back online in the United States. Criminal justice reform, like I just mentioned, 90% of those released are Black Americans. This is a president who has fought for the Americans across the board. And so you've certainly seen him be able to deliver for Black Americans. And that's a conversation we're happy to have. The same with Latinos. and Those who have immigrated to the United States, we've seen here on the campaign, they want to make sure that those who come do so legally. There's no president more who's cared about making this a better immigration system than President Trump. He cares about securing our country, about our nation's sovereignty, and about those who come to the United States being part of our community, part of our nation. And Latinos really respond with that. And and for women, when it comes to our conversation with them, I touched on it a little before, we've got a diverse coalitions board here at the campaign, and we're gonna be able to have conversations. We have our Black Voices for Trump Community Centers. I mentioned we also have Latinos for Trump Community Centers. We're unafraid on this campaign
1: because our boss is unafraid, President Trump, to have conversations in communities. Aaron, last night you invited the McCluskies who waved guns at Black Lives Matter's protesters onto the stage. Why did you invite them? And does the president care about Black Lives Matter? President
0: Trump cares that all lives matter in the United States. And he, we invited the McCloskeys to have a conversation because the First Amendment is just as protected in this country as the Second Amendment. And this is a president who, when these people had their neighborhood, their gate broken into, and people, we played audio before they came on of what they were being told about how people were threatening to kill them. They stood their ground to defend their home. And we're supposed to apologize for that? Absolutely not. This is a conversation that should be had, yes. If people are upset, you have every right to peaceably assemble in this country. It is one of the guaranteed rights of being a United States citizen, and it's part of what makes us an exceptional nation. But that does not include vandalism. It does not include violence. It does not include threats of violence. And so they stood their ground because what happened, that chaos you've seen in those Democrat-led streets truly could happen anywhere in the United States. And so they were making the point, and vividly so, about how we need to be able to have a conversation in this country without it turning to violence, and they were defending their ground, and rightfully so.
1: They were charged with aiming an armed weapon.
0: Yeah, that's a conversation you're going to have with the courts when it comes to their ability to be able to defend themselves and defend their
1: ground. So what do you say to critics who say that inviting them means that you are tone deaf to the needs of Black Lives Matter and social justice? Uh,
0: well, That's a completely false uh,
1: accusation to levy
0: against this campaign and against this president. No one has done more for the black community in this country than President Trump. His record, which I have touched on here, has delivered for the black community in a way nobody has before. And you've seen the opportunities that exist in the United States, but you can have a peaceable conversation in this country without violence and without socialism and Marxist threats to this nation. So we are happy to allow, I mean, this country allows people to peaceably assemble, that's the great part of it. But this president has a message for the black community because he knows he has delivered for them like no president before. You wanna talk about Black Lives Matter, have a president who has actually delivered for the black community, not Joe Biden, who was an architect of the 94 crime bill, which even his running mate Kamala Harris has said led to mass incarceration in this country. We have a great picture to be able to paint here because the facts are on our side.
1: that needle. He's both blamed for mass incarceration, and also for potentially defunding the police. Where's the line there? I'm sorry, it broke up a little. He's, he's blamed, you're blaming him. Sorry, maybe I broke up both That's for fine. mass incarceration and also for potentially defunding the police. Where's the line between those two? So Joe Biden, Joe Biden has. has saying, yeah, Joe Biden has
0: talked about Democrats during their platform committees. We're talking about defunding the police means defunding the police in this country. We are talking about safety and security in this nation. President Trump has fought for the safety and security of every American. He has rebuilt our military. He is surging Operation Legend in this country into crime-riddled streets and communities to make sure that we have the best of the federal resources available to fight violence and gangs and drugs in this country. Safety and security is a top priority for President Trump. Under Joe Biden, the COPS program funding was cut. And Joe Biden, when asked directly, would you redirect police funding, said yes, absolutely. Okay, let me redirect your paycheck to mine and see if that looks like a cut. We need to make sure that when we talk about policing in this country, we actually have a conversation about how to make it better, how to make it safer, and how to make it stronger. President Trump signed, the safe policing safe communities executive order while democrats in the senate blocked tim scott's policing reform legislation because again with democrats it's all or nothing dick durbin had the audacity to call that token legislation i mean it's unbelievable what democrats say they stand for and then what they actually do instead of trying to score political points
1: So talking about what people have said about things tonight, President, uh, sorry, Vice President Pence is going to be appearing in Baltimore at Fort Henry. Why Baltimore, a city that um, Trump has been overtly, overtly uh, critical of?
0: So the Vice President will be tomorrow evening. Uh, Tonight is the First Lady. Uh, And what you'll see is that's where our national anthem came from. It's about the pride of this country and Fort McHenry and what our history stands for, what America stands for. We stand for our flag. We stand for our anthem and we stand for the freedoms that those who have laid their lives down have afforded us to be able to have as citizens of the United States. It's a patriotic message. It's an America first message. And it ties in with everything this president has been talking about. Yes. We are stronger as a nation together, and President Trump has been able to do that in a way no president before has. And the vice president is absolutely going to be able to tap into that, shine a beautiful light on that in a beautiful setting at Fort McHenry.
1: And Trump himself will be speaking on Thursday from the White House. Um, critics have said that's a potential violation of the Act. Did you think about that before deciding upon that location? I mean, that's a question for the lawyers and for White House counsel. I'm sure that there were multiple
0: conversations that were had about regarding the legality of that, obviously. Uh, But listen, this is with what is going on in this country regarding coronavirus and the footprint that exists when the president travels. This is a safe and secure place to be able for him to deliver what will be an exceptional message to the American people about the first three
1: and a half years of his administration and what four more will look like. Well, I have time for just one more question. What are the most important things that need to happen for Trump to win in November, from your point of view? It's our ability to get our message out there. We're crisscrossing the country. I'm off
0: to Nevada tomorrow to have a conversation with voters. Joe Biden wants to stay in his basement. And if he thinks he can run the same playbook Hillary Clinton ran in Wisconsin by not going there, that's up to him. But we've got a message to share. We've got a pro-growth, pro-American message that President Trump's been able to deliver. And looking ahead to four more years, what that means. And the contrast between that pro American message and the Joe Biden message of socialism, of taking over your choice of health care and medicine in this country those are stark contrasts raising taxes that's a stark contrast he's talking about raising taxes over four trillion dollars we're going to tell the american people about that we have an exceptional ground game we've been able to build out on this campaign the best any presidential campaign's ever seen so we're going to be able to safely knock doors and make phone calls Register voters and volunteers know where our voters are because we're a data-driven operation and be able to turn them out on election day for President Trump.
1: Thank you for joining us, Aaron. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Um, I appreciate your coming on. Please stay with us, everybody. My colleague Karen Tumulty will be back and she'll be with Grove and Norquist. And in the meantime, Karen, Aaron, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening.